0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. I have to tell you something, people. Since I'm recording out of home now, I forgot last week that Tuesday was the day they street sweep on one side. And I was always at the studio on Tuesday. So I have lived in Burbank for 14 years. And I got to tell you, because I park on the street, I let Joanne have the garage. I got a parking ticket last week, and it was the first parking ticket I've gotten in, I think, 10 years. And the worst part about it is, a parking ticket now is $45. I don't know how they can charge so much, but it's just, it's disgusting. So, um, luckily, I got up this morning, and I moved my car to the Monday side of the street, so I wouldn't have to worry as I was interviewing my guest today. And uh, we have a great guest today, who was actually, she was in town in LA last week, and my guest is Tiffany. How you doing, Tiffany?
1: Good. I, yes, I LA. <laughs> I,
0: no, you you grew up out of here, but I gotta tell you, you were in town. You did that the the gig at the uh, down in Long Beach. Yeah. But then and
1: I also did a gig in at the Mint. I my was album release party, so I'm so excited about this new album. I was good. It was good to be home and see some friends and sing a few tunes.
0: Well, I was gonna say a friend of mine. Her name's okay. Diana. She was at the Mint Show, and she said you were just amazing.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, you know, it's actually, you know, I was kind of nervous on this one because it was my first time doing the new material, which is always nerve wracking. But also, a lot of the songwriters who wrote with me on this album, people that I'm really partial to, um, Stephen McClintock, who wrote all this time, you know, back in the day... Um, and and just a, a bunch of other people that I've really wanted to work with on this album for a long time, they were in the room, and it's just so nerve wracking. <laughs> but it was amazing at the same time. So I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, she said. She said. She said her pipes were amazing, and, and I listened to some of when you go into your website and people, if you don't know, go check her website out. It is uh, tiffanytoons.com. You are. You, it goes right into a song, and your voice sounds phenomenal.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, we're working the new album, A Million Miles, and um, I've wanted to work on this material for a while now, and it finally happens. so I'm a very happy girl. Uh, You know, it's so strange, because as I started out in the music industry, I started in country, but then went into the pop genre and loved it and so grateful, and grateful for songs I could have been and all this time that really showed that I could sing, but it's funny, because people don't really know that I can sing I mean it's 30 years on and they're like you really can sing And I'm like well yeah that's kind of what the message is right now (laughs) so every time I get a compliment about it I I, I'm even more happier you
0: know well it's amazing because you know and it's true we get caught up in something where you could sing but you know people don't think because you were a pop star that they don't think of the country but you started singing when you were like four years old you sang Delta Dawn or something right
1: I did. I drove my parents nuts singing around the house and, you know, I really wasn't around music. I mean, no one in my family is a musician, but I just took to music and I loved it and retained songs and mostly country music was played in my house. So I started listening to Emmylou Harris and Tammy Wynette. Um And it wasn't until I was about nine years old that I started listening to other people influenced by my cousin who was, you know, just a girl growing up, was into different people collecting records at that time, and Stevie Nicks, and Fleetwood Mac, and Hart, um, and, you know, I kind of, like, was really guided towards, the, towards that, I just really loved Stevie Nicks's voice, so I wanted to kind of do, at nine, ten years old, wanted to do like a rocker kind of country.
0: <laughs> that's perfect. But now, how did you start singing at four? I mean, most of us can barely even speak at three and four. I mean, and you? I mean, did you? I mean, what? I mean, I know it's so such a long time ago because we don't remember being that young. But I mean, do you know? Did just one day you heard some a song on the radio and you said, "Oh, I want to sing"? Or I mean, do you even remember? Because that's just amazing to be singing at that age. And, you know, and you seem like you had a talent. You have a very talented four-year-old.
1: It really actually started with TV and, and like, jingles and commercials. Um, I just would hear them, and, you know, they're repeated over and over again. So I would sing certain things, and, and it just came natural to me, really. Um, I was able to just retain them and, and sing them. So, you know, I mean, not all the words were right. They were my interpretation of what they were saying. Right. Um, you know, and I was a master at doing guitar solos, you know, bah, 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 you know, I would like bust out like the whole thing, you know, um, and my mom would tape me because she just she was a single mom at the time. And she just thought it was really funny that I was trying to sing and I would always like move my hips and do the whole dance and thing as well. And um, I was her entertainment, you know, after a long day at work.
0: <laughs> so so at nine, 4 you're singing Delta Dawn, at nine, you want to be a rocker. Um, what? When do you first get up and sing outside of the house?
1: That was actually uh, I was like nine years old, and my parents had some good friends across the street. We lived in Norwalk, California, and um, they were musicians doing a record and all independent. So they had just you know recorded a record, and my parents didn't know anything about the music industry, and they. They helped kind of fund their tour to go on the road, and um, and I was best friends with their daughter at the time, and, you know, they played music all the time at their house, and I always heard my girlfriend singing and her brother singing, and, and I already sang. It was kind of weird that that was just set up for me, but my family didn't really take me serious. Again, no one was a musician in my family, so I don't think they really thought that I was very serious about it um, or that I was maybe even really good, you know, because I was always in my bedroom practicing and just doing my thing on the side. But they had a a, a send-off tour to, you know, a send-off party for their tour. And they asked me to get up and sing, you know, all the kids. And I got up and sang, and everybody just kind of their jaw dropped. And they really encouraged Dad to take it serious and that I had a really, you know, this big that sounded like an adult woman coming out of this nine-year-old, and he didn't know what he was doing when he started in the music industry, but it was just word of mouth and talking to people and kind of old school, um, really, that got me started.
0: So, now, where do you go from after that singing? Now, is it true Did you tour Alaska?
1: I toured Alaska, Um, you know, again, just word of mouth. My dad uh, really just, he's a go-getter. You kind of had to know my dad, you know. He was he was like, this. if this is what you want to do, we'll do it, you know, and he was like that in his own life. He had many businesses and he was a skydiver for um, the Golden Knights, for the parachute team, and he was just a real go-getter. So, he sat me down and he said, is this really what you want to do? And I was like, definitely. I love to sing. And, and my mom was like, well, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't stop singing, I won't say that much. So, um, my dad kind of tested me, and with me we went to the local fair in Del Mar San Diego and he kind of just went up to the band and said listen I'll give you $50 to have my daughter come up and sing one song she really wants to be a singer I think she might be kind of good but nevertheless I'm willing to pay you just to get her up and sing she knows Delta Dawn and you know a few other songs and I we don't know anything about keys or just play the song you know and they announced me, they said, we have a special guest out here in the house. Her name's Tiffany Renee. Hopefully she'll get up and sing with us. And I jumped right up there on the stage, not a problem. So I think that's my dad figured out, you know, she really does want to do it. It's one thing to do it in front of family and friends. It's another to do it in front of complete strangers.
0: Now, you had no fear at all. I mean, you're a little kid. You're just like, I mean, at Del Mar Fair, you know, a lot of people go to the Del Mar Fair.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a packed house. I I had no fear at all. I, you know, I I think that's part of being a kid, the resilience there. But also, I mean, that's just, I'm still kind of like that. I mean, when it comes to singing, that is, that is my, my thing. Um, I'm more shy in other things. But when it comes to opening my mouth and just singing, that's, that's what I do. So, you know, I think also having that early experience in country music really helped me. Because from that point on, i thinking at the Del Mar Fair, I started working with other bands, and then eventually coming to Nashville and working with you know producers and trying to get a record deal even at ten. And I mean that's really the whole theme in Nashville. If you've got the chops, you know don't be shy. I mean if somebody tells you to sing, you sing on cue. Um, and if you can't do it, then you really don't make the cut. So. You know, that was something that I learned very quickly and was willing to to do.
0: So then you sit there and you just, you start, you start going on tour then.
1: I did. Yeah. I went to, um, Anchorage, Alaska and I spent about three weeks there. And again, my parents had no clue what they were getting into. We drove to Alaska, which was a nightmare, (laughs) um, you know, and we thought that it was going to take a lot less time to get there. And my dad looked at a map. He says, remember the map. Um, you know, and he thought it, that it was just a straight shot. And it wasn't. It was one He turned up the
0: mountain. Tiffany, you're breaking up.
1: Oh, am I? I haven't moved, so. <laughs> is, is,
0: is my video off? Um. Now, now you sound good.
1: Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we—I did my first tour um, in Anchorage, Alaska, and my parents just—they thought that it was an easy shot to drive there, and it so wasn't.
0: So, you, you drove? You drove to Alaska?
1: We drove to Alaska in three days.
0: Oh, I mean, I don't, where do you go? Do you take the five? I mean, what, I have no idea.
1: I no, I was put in the back of a car, and I was, you know. My mom was miserable, and I was miserable as well, and my dad was just, he had gauged it wrong, and he looked at a map and thought that it was an easy shot there, and it wasn't. It was, you know, up hills and through mountains and around glaciers and all kinds of craziness, and we ended up being late to our first gig, Um, but we made it, but I mean, you know, road dog. I was, you know, taking getting dressed in a in a in a bathroom at the back of this little bar area and you know, we didn't have time to get a hotel or anything, so it was literally get a washcloth out and wash your face and put makeup on and curl your hair if it will even curl and you've got 15 minutes. <laughs> so, I mean, it was it was hard, but at the same time it was you know, it really is what the road is about. Even even as an accomplished, you know, songwriter and singer and celebrity and entertainer, you know, it's still, you got to fly by the seat of your pants sometimes.
0: Right. Now, now how are crowds reacting to this little girl with this killer voice? I mean, would, would it throw people for a loop?
1: Well, I mean, I think, yeah, a little bit because people were, really engaged in my voice, but then I was 10, so this little person standing in front of them, and really, I mean, I was singing at a lot of bars when we first started out, and I really couldn't be there. I mean, I would go in and sing three, four songs, and then I would, you know, be outside and wait in the car until maybe the next set. You know, sometimes I got lucky and they would have a video game, something in the entrance, so it wasn't officially in the bar, and I could just just play video games until my next set. So, I mean, that's kind of the first couple of years of my touring life. I did that between nine and, and, you know, actually probably until about 12 years old.
0: Okay. Um, Now, you ended up being on Star Search, too.
1: I did. I did Star Search when I was 12. We came back to, you know, the Nashville thing just didn't work out. We kept going back and forth from Los Angeles to to Nashville and trying to get a record deal and recording songs. And, you know, it's pretty expensive and we are you know, we never moved to Nashville. So coming back and forth to L.A. to Nashville was quite tedious. But, I mean, I got a lot of great experience. And then... We stayed back in, in LA and when I was like 12, between 12 and 14, and really tried doing the LA circuit. Um, and that was, you know, you got to do dance and acting and modeling, have uh, headshots, and just be on the circuit of LA.
0: Are you, I'm sorry, are you, are you talking into a, what are you, are you just talking into the computer?
1: No, I'm talking into my phone.
0: Okay, no, because I, I, I'm getting static, which is weird. I usually don't get static. But, oh. Uh,
1: no clue. That's all right. I I haven't moved at all.
0: Okay. No, it's just weird. So now you said you were trying to get into the acting and the dancing and everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, we just, you know, LA has its own little thing that you have to do to get into the, you know, entertainment industry, and that was the thing. We went from music to, okay, well, we're back in LA, and you have to do the whole package. Um, And that was a great experience for me, because I started taking acting lessons and I started off as a dancer a long time ago when I was like two years old. And so I kind of reconnected to that world and and just kind of did it all. I went out on commercials and voiceover work and whatever I could get my hands on. And that's what we were doing. I I had a chance to meet some really great people um, at that time, you know, like Stacey Ferguson, Fergie, um, you know, Martika, a bunch of different people that... You know, hadn't even taken off, I and mean, Ricky Martin. All these people were in LA as kids, like you know, going out on auditions, and they were my audition buddies. Right. <laughs> just so funny now, you know. Now it's like it's awesome to see everybody really succeed and, and live their dreams.
0: Now, now, how did the mall, whole mall st- uh, tour start? Because you know, and I grew up from New Jersey. I know it started in North Jersey, but how did that come and and did you ever think that it would just I mean, that took the country by storm.
1: Yeah, again, that was, I got my record deal at 14, and the album was recorded at 14. So by 15, we started going out and trying to promote it. It had landed at radio, and with being, of course, you you go to promote that. So we started off in drugs on the East Coast, and it really failed. Um, again, I just i wasn't even old enough to be in the club. So the song did really well, but I had no connection with the audience. Um, because, I mean, the age group was, was just, there was just a big gap there. So you know, we, the, the album was going to be shelved um, by the label. And so we found another way to work it, which was for, for the mall board.
0: So, I mean, what, what was your first show like?
1: For the malls, where I mean, people weren't really informed that I was going to be in their local mall, which was kind of a nightmare, um, because we would, you know, come in and set up a small little stage, and back then you just kind of ran a small sound system, and I got up and sang with a live mic, and you know, they they put me in front of like jewelry stores or clothing stores, and, and people were not happy that I was there. They thought it would drive away their customers, so. You know, we got yelled at a lot and I did a little bit of crying <laughs> the first couple of months. Um, but again, there's that resilience Being a kid, I went and had pizza and came back and was ready to sing again. Um, you know, I think that was exactly the first time that that was being done. And it took a while for communication and for, you know, everybody to get on the same page. And then eventually it was really successful. And I was sad when it kind of outgrew the mall, but I have to be honest, because that had kind of become such a personal touch to me to be able to sing and meet my fans and go have pizza and then come back and sign autographs. It was it was pretty cool.
0: Are you there? Yeah. No, it's just I don't know because are are you, are you on speaker or are you on regular phone?
1: Um, I'm on regular phone.
0: Okay, because you, you're popping in and out, which is weird. You get a little fuzzy, which is weird, because you you sound so clear sometimes, and then you sort of drift away.
1: It, it might be because I live in the country. Is that what it is? Yeah, it might be. I mean, I live, like, in the country. I'm not kidding. <laughs> so, so I don't know if that's...
0: What it is, but I'm not on speaker. Okay, it's cool. So, so now, now you said you were your bum when the you got away from the mall. So now you get away from the mall tour, and and now you're like everybody knows you. What's that like? I mean, you know, you're you're a kid, and you must have been getting. I mean, it was a mob scene. I mean, what's that like for a young kid to be just pursued by mobs? I mean, not bad mobs, but mobs.
1: Well, I mean, it was amazing. It was great. It was bigger than I ever thought it was going to be. So, you know, I just kind of ran with it. I don't think that I had any expectation, really, that it was going to get as big as it, as it did. Um, and I was overall just grateful and having a great time with it.
0: Now, at that time, were you still interested? When, when did you really become interested in writing songs?
1: I always... Uh, really wanted to write songs. Again, my people that I looked up to were Emmylou Harris and Stevie Nicks um, and, you know, Tina Marie, they're all song songwriters. So I was always writing songs in the background and, you know, more poetry rather than songs because I didn't, didn't play an instrument. So, but I always had good melodies. Um, and I would try to ship them to my producer or, you know, people that I wrote with at the time. And, it just kind of wasn't really taken serious. So it was something that I always developed on my own. And actually, you know, I looked to my band members, people that traveled with me and people that were musicians that I felt like they were kind of my brothers and I could just show them some of this stuff and say, hey, you want to write a song on the bus? Or do you want to write, you know, I have this melody or I have this title. And, and I really... If it wasn't for them taking it serious um, and encouraging me, I don't know, you know, if I'd be the songwriter that I am today.
0: So now, now what was it like having a number one hit at that age? I mean, you know, it's like, did, did you ever sit there and go, wow, I mean, this doesn't happen to people this young?
1: Well, I mean, I don't think that I ever really thought about that. You know, I just... I was thrilled to be hearing my stuff on the radio and 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 seeing people you know follow me and look at the video and and to be asked to come to different countries and it was it was bigger than I ever thought it was going to be. Of course, as a little girl, I was in my bedroom twirling around, hoping that I'd be a singer in front of a band one day. And but I, and to really have it happen is a whole different bag of tricks, you know. And I really just every day got up and lived a new adventure.
0: Now what were some of the countries you got to go to? I mean, and that must have been just amazing just because you're you're as I said, you're you're a kid from Cali and all of a sudden you're going to different countries. I mean, what were some of the countries that you got to and how was the reaction to you over there?
1: Oh, it was amazing. And and that was again, that was bigger than I ever hoped for to be able to go to Germany, um France and Italy. I mean, spent a lot of time in the U.K. was awesome. Um, you know, just, just to be able to spend time in Japan, I, I, I mean, every day we were being asked to go to different countries all over the world and, expend, you know, experience different cultures and different foods and languages and different types of people. And, I mean, I think that's, that's one thing I'm so grateful for as a person um, is that I've been exposed and made great friends all around the world and have, you know, these wonderful fans. And and they've really played a big part in life, just how I look at life and how, look at people and um, and love people and just love the different cultures. I'm a foodie, so I love to make different types of foods and really kind of tell it, you know. I keep going back to a dish until I really get... Um, but I mean, that's all from my traveling experience.
0: What's some of the good dishes you've made lately? What would you say? Because I'm a foodie too. What what, what would you say? your in the last you know few months. The the number two did two top two dishes you've made is.
1: Oh, I make a mean Mediterranean lemon chicken, which is great, um, and of course you know fresh hummus and tabbouleh, everything fresh. Uh, and then I make great Cuban food. Oh really? So, yeah, and I actually made um, some really good mole right before I went to California. So that was that's Mexican, but I made some really really off the hook mole. <laughs>
0: that's good. see, people don't know that. People don't know that Tiffany makes a hell of a mole. Um, so that's, that, good. that's good though, because it's so funny. Because cooking, you can, that's what's good now, especially with the internet. You know, you can, you can find any recipe, and, and it's so easy. You sit there and go, I want to make this, and like me, I'll be honest. I'm I like to cook, but I for the life of me could never cut a mango and I was sitting there and I was pissed I always got the core in the middle so I sat there and I went on YouTube how to cut a mango and you know what I found out how to cut a mango
1: yeah I mean oh I love well we say mango okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was married to a Mexican for you know 12 years or so and it's funny and I grew up in LA so you know I I say mango and my my husband now this English makes a lot of fun of me. You know, he makes fun of me. <laughs> so, <laughs> Every time I'm in L.A., I'm like, and this, I'm tacos. And like, this little accent comes out, and he's like, really?
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it always happens. Though. You sit there, it's that certain thing when you go around, you're like, wait a second, everyone's talking like, I can talk like that. so Now, when, when you were younger, do you think the videos, because when you, you were popular, I was, like, well, as, as a young kid, I'm not young, but when you were a teen, the videos were really big. Do you think that really enhanced your, your music back at that time?
1: I mean, you know, like, you know, mean videos, I mean, that definitely, there was so much that was, the 80s was so special, you know, and growing up in that time period and being able to be an individual. Um, you know, for me, I mean, it was like vans and, and hoop earrings and pretty, you know, pretty low key. But, um, you know, it was really a special time. And I think that we've really made um, an impression on the music industry, even now. To see things go back to that, um, it makes it put a smile on my face. Sometimes I think that certain things shouldn't go back, but um, you know, it's it's great to to really know that you did make an impression on the music industry, um, and that you know we were kind of laying a base for a lot of other things to come.
0: Now, what is it? What goes through your mind? Because you seem to be very in your. In your music and your singing, you seem to be ahead of your time. Your mind is, I think, thinking in the future. I mean, when you're nine, you're already singing. You're on the road. So as you're singing and, you know, you're this pop idol, but you love country, what's going through your mind? Are you thinking, you know what, I really want to just start, I want to go to what I, I think my roots are. And how does someone, when you have a huge success, how do you try to sit there and break away to that?
1: Well, I mean, for me, I've, you know, I, my roots are our are, are country, because um, that's where I started. I mean, I came with, it sounds ridiculous, but I came with a lot of experience because of that. So by the time I did the War I had already jammed with bands and came to Nashville and really felt that was some valid um, experience. <clears throat> um, and we just took it from, the, you know, from there to the next level. And I've always been grateful that I think we're alone now and could have been, you know, were the things that put me on the map. I I never shy away from that stuff, and they're the hits, and I'm grateful. I definitely, as an adult and as, you know, running my own career, I think my fans deserved the whole story. So about four years ago, I did an album called Rose Tattoo, and and that was really my project going back to country. Um, obviously, I live in Nashville. I'm around great songwriters here, and it just was a natural thing. I've spent a lot of time in my life in Nashville. Uh, I you know spent two years here between ten and twelve. Hello. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So. I spent a lot of time in Nashville. I, you know, the two years that I spent here, um, just really going out and meeting different producers and recording to, um, you know, coming back here in the early 90s and living here for almost eight years.
0: What made you and decide to move there?
1: Nashville itself. Um, part, partly music, and as a songwriter, I really wanted to grow as a songwriter. I didn't feel that I was getting what I really needed, although I got my first, you know, kind of coming out and people working with people and my bandmates and stuff like that. I really wanted to learn the foundation and to be what I thought, you know, you needed to be as a songwriter. And in my head, I've always thought that that is coming to Nashville. There's so many great songwriters here. And if you can, you know, again, make the cut here and be part of the Nashville songwriting family. That's a great honor. Um, and so I came here in the early nineties and, and I, and I worked with a lot of people and, you know, sometimes it failed. I mean, I would go to writing appointments and I would just try to be as prepared as possible and, and it wouldn't go the way I thought, you know, so there was sometimes tears at the end of the day, but I went back to California I was, you know, kind of getting a separation from my husband at that time. And we went back to California and and I wrote the Color of Silence album, which was critically acclaimed and my big coming out as a songwriter. So I've kind of learned in life, even when you think you're not making progress, all of it is an experience. And even though it might not make something happen then, it, you, you know if you're patient enough you might actually have that experience and it might lend itself to something else and for me that was the color of silence it came so natural to sit down and write, write the color of silence for me
0: where did, um, where did it come I, from i'm sorry i'm sorry go ahead
1: well i come from norwalk California. no 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 no
0: where where did the color of silence come from where did you really feel that like you got your writing groove on that that you just felt so, you know, just so natural. And where did the, all the material come from?
1: Well, the color of silence came from getting a divorce. I mean, you know, pre-divorce, really, um, songs like Piss You Off was, was real. It's about me, you know, getting another, another dog because I was angry at my ex-husband and, you know, <laughs> and he hated dogs, you know, so I was like, there you go. Um, and, you know, just, it was a lot of truth. I write a, a lot about my real life at the time, Um, you know, or experiences or things that I've heard from other friends. I write about other friends' relationships and tell their stories, even though I don't put their names on it. But, you know, I've got a lot of girlfriends out there, and they come to me for advice, and we talk, and I hear their tears and their struggles, and, you know, and I see beautiful relationships just not work out, and it's sad. It's sad, so I, I get draw a lot of my songs from that.
0: Now, the color silence you said it got critically acclaimed. How did it do at in sales?
1: Well, we actually never we we put it with a label, um, and that was you know that was something that is just so hard. Sometimes you go with these smaller labels, and they promise you the world, and they deliver. So for me, I mean, as an independent, that just really drives me nuts. Um, a lot of the bigger labels are just, you know, overwhelmed. And they'll take your project and they'll, it'll sit there for two years before it sees the light of day. And in my opinion, the music isn't as current, you know. So then it's, let's go back in and let's recut stuff. And you're just redoing the work. So, you know, Color of Silence found a home with a, a small label. And I think, personally, they dropped the ball um, for a lot of different reasons that had nothing to do with me. You know, they had all these different dynamics. Um, And But, I mean, here I was selling out, and we did college tours at that time, and I was selling out college tours, and the music itself was being received, you know, very well. Um, Even radio was receiving open my eyes very well. Yes, we had some, you know, kind of wall it's Tiffany. But I really do think that if we all would have focused and been on the same page, we could have overcome that hurdle. And it was really discouraging to come back and just see my label kind of all over the shop and, you know, not sending out they didn't send out product on the on the college tour. So, you know, when you have 13,000 people show up at, you know, Brigham Brigham Young University and there's no CDs that were delivered, you know, to me, that's not okay. (laughs) Right. Bro,
0: definitely. Now, how do you deal with that frustration? But when, first of all, as you said, this album came from a a special part of you and it's, you know, you're, you're busting your ass to, you know, put a great record together. You're selling things out. And as you said, the CDs aren't there. How do you just not get livid? I mean, there must be such a frustration. I I would be going crazy.
1: Well, I mean, yes, definitely. I'm a redhead at the end of the day. There was a lot of frustration. But, um, you know, it is what it is. It was a learning experience. And that's why I think even more I decided to do things independently, um, things that I know that if we say this is going to happen, it's going to happen and I stay on top of it, and it happens, you know, I mean, there's, there's pros and cons of being an independent, but, um, at the end of the day, you know, it gets out there, and that's all I really care about, because, uh, you know, again, working with people who say, yeah, 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 it's going to happen, it's going to be great, and I tell my fans, and it doesn't, that's, like, the worst feeling in the world, um, and, you know, it's just, it's, for me, those experienced Color of Silence, I just was like, are you kidding me? We have behind the music. We have major publicity. Like, this doesn't come every day, and then you guys blow it, you know? This is not okay. And and for my career, and for me as an artist, I mean, you always think, you so this is a shock that I had that somebody else blew for me, that you know, I'm going to have to take a hit, and who knows where it would have went if we just all focused and did the right thing. But, you know, you just kind of keep moving forward from that point on, and the color silence really gave me a new thing as a songwriter, and gave me more momentum um, in the pop, you know, region again, and that, you know, I was... Not wrong in a lot of decisions I was making as far as material as an artist, and I mean it always comes back to the end of the day. Scoring. So I was able to establish a lot of touring dates from that, and that's really where I, I shine the most um, is being out on the record and, and singing my songs live, and and being able to new fans. You know, I, I'm really excited about that when people buy a ticket and they're like, "Ah, we want to but we came, and you literally rocked it, and we were shocked.
0: <laughs> now, did you, I mean, how often were you touring back then? Were you constantly on the road?
1: I have been constantly on the road for a while now. Uh, yeah, I, that's kind of what I do. Um, you know, so I do take some, some time off here and there, uh, but mostly I I love my dates. I love to go out and do various things, from stick to vocal band an 80s experience with Tiffany's, which is all of my songs and my favorite songs from the 80s, to, you know, to track it in the clubs. I mean, you know, sometimes that's just, you know, easy and fun to go out and sing a couple of songs to track old school. So, you know, I went to different hats and I wouldn't really change that, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work. But, um I can do it, and I love kind of working in all these different worlds. I have so many different songs and and again genres that I've done from the dance stuff that I've done with different producers and, and you know collaborated with other artists that i'm I'm very proud of to, be able to go out and do those songs
0: now you've also did gotten a foray into some acting there too.
1: Yes, my mega Python versus Gatorade. very 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 important stuff
0: <laughs> now now the, the new stuff you're you're coming out with the no, no cuz you're you're up here for well you're up here for the long beach was the uh was the, what, what it was the what it was had a, a term for the, the show it was what well,
1: intimate
0: evening with tiknee no 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 the one when you did long beach down at the uh, the big the big there's a bunch oh.
1: of, yeah, the Long Long Beach stuff is uh, more yeah, kind of a freestyle retro fest, um, and so it's anywhere from me and Berlin and Lisa Lisa, um, Debbie Gibson to you know, I mean, they can take it either way. These festivals are amazing to be a part of. They've been going now for about five years, um, and they a lot of them started off as freestyle, true freestyle, which. You know, I'm not really a freestyle artist, but I love a lot of the people um, on the bill. So, you know, I've worked really hard to kind of be added to that show because it just made sense. And um, and finally worked my way, you know, now they're adding more 80s artists. 80s is really, you know, really happening again. Um, and that's so cool. I mean, it is great to see a lot of these younger people discovering 80s. And also, I mean, I always say to people who are in their 40s or 50s and they're, they're kind of living the 80s, old school stuff again, I'm like, we're at our best, you guys. And we knew great music, we lived some great bass. That was when times were really fun and awesome. And it's great to have an mean, just like kind of, you know, responding to that and having a good time.
0: Right. So now you came up for that and then you got to do The Mint. Now, once again, can we try, we got to try to rearrange because you, you you were really strong and you broke up a little bit. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about The Mint and how this album, you, you, you went, you know, you, how'd you come up with your latest album and is it, it's a, it's a difference from the music you've done in the past, right?
1: Well, um, yes, the new album, A Million Miles, is is definitely different. I mean, it has a lot of ballads. It's not entirely a ballad album, but it really focuses on a lot of songs that are from my heart and from the last five years of my life that I talk about a cousin who passed away from addiction to my dad who passed away from cancer. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of songs that... I don't think I get that pointed as a songwriter, but, you know, I talk about missing people and about life, you know, changes and about, you know, how you wish those people were still in your world and you miss them every day. Um, so, you know, I mean, and that's, that's real, that's what I'm living with every day. I mean, I have so many amazing things going on in my life and some, you know, really important people to me are not here uh, and there's times that I don't have the next answer and my cousin who was kind of my mentor was the person that I would call and she's not here. So it's all these different adjustment periods um, that I, I think that I wrote down in my journals and on this album just really the songs seem again natural. They just kind of came out of me. Um, working with people like you know Julie Forrester and Kirstie Manna, um, Ellen Shipley, all these different beautiful ballad songwriters. Um, it was just easy to sit down and say, "This is my heart. This is what I want to write about," and and take it to the next level. So you know, it it really is an honor to be singing these songs. I think it's kind of healing for me, but. I listen to my fans as well. A lot of my fans have had changes in their lives um things that they had hoped for that didn't work out Hello sorry
0: oh, that was a weird noise
1: yes Wait. um so i you know it's it's very true that a lot of these you know songs are just real for people, and it's it's amazing to be singing them and you know, again, these are my first experiences. Really, kind of doing the intimate evening with Tiffany, and seeing people really tear up, and and being able to relate to what I wrote is—it's an awesome feeling.
0: Well, what made you sit there? I mean, and actually decide to run a really delve into the in this to this kind of uh, album—is it a time that you know you've had success? You've had critical success. You've had popular success. Is it something that you just feel that as you? Grow And as you said, your audience grows because, you know, I'm 52. So, you know, we've we've all grown our music. You know, we still listen to the 80s and you you grow and you love following different artists and how they've grown. Did you something where you just said in your head subconsciously that I really got to do that or or like you said, it came very easily to you?
1: Well, you know, I actually was driving on the road to one of my shows, probably about, oh, probably about four or five years ago Um, and you know that was again when all these different events started happening in my life and I heard a a singer songwriter on the radio her name was Eva Cassidy and I fell in love with her voice Um, and I started to research her and wanting to go to her shows and realized that she had passed away from breast cancer So I just became obsessed with her a little bit. Her voice was so true and pure. And the songs that she wrote or if some of the standards that she, you know, remade were were amazing. Like she just, again, there was just such a great pureness to her, her voice. And as I spent more time with her music, I realized, even for myself, I realized, you know, I am, I am a storyteller, and I'm a ballad singer, and I need to get back to really just singing. You know, and that doesn't have to be always ballads, but, you know, I just need to sit by my voice. I need to just to be comfortable with it, and a lot of times I'd love to do some of the rock stuff or some of the dance stuff because, you know, I can do it, and there's no pressure, and it's fun. But, you know, it's like I could stay out late after the gig. I don't have to worry about extra sleep, Um, you know, and whereas when you're singing ballads, you're very exposed and you really have to be in full voice. Um, And and I think for a lot of years, I just really didn't want to do that. And I, I think after rediscovering Eva Cassidy and just hearing how pure and so much control that she had of her voice as a vocalist, uh, it really inspired me to kind of to to get back to what I do naturally and also as a songwriter just to write from my heart, just to really sit down and write all these experiences that I've had um, and that even though they feel like they're sad that they might be helpful to somebody else and then definitely they're helpful to me um, because, you know, it's kind of like therapy a little bit songwriting.
0: Is, is that an, I mean, it must be, as you said, it's an, an emotional process when you sit down to write one of these songs, as you say, it deals with someone, you know, who passed away or like that. And it's so intimate to you is when you sit down to write it, do you have an idea where it's going to go or you just sit there and all of a sudden you just find this spark of creativity and it may go a place where you never thought it would go?
1: they go places that you never thought they were going to go. Um uh, you know, but generally you come in with an idea of what you want to say um and what that where that will take you. But again, what, writing with different writers, sometimes they'll say something that is so you know, even deeper than you than you wanted to go, but it's it's right on point. Um and so you just go there i i try to come in with a lot of different ideas and i try to come in with a melody um and my story i, I always i make a joke that i'm writing a lifetime movie <laughs> <laughs> this is my lifetime movie but it's a song and again i wrote on this album a million miles i wrote with a lot of my friends who saw me go through a lot of these different things and when i think sometimes when i wasn't going deep enough they went yeah, but girl, you felt this way, and you told me this in a conversation, and they brought it back to my memory, and then we kind of went to the next level. Um, "A Million Miles," which is the title track of the album, I came to Ellen Shipley, and she wrote, you know, uh, lots of lots of things for Belinda Carlisle and a ton of other writers. But um, I came to her in L.A. and sat down and said, "I have a melody." and it's called a million miles and it's it's about my cousin who passed away and you know it's about how i wish that she was in my life every day and but i hope that she's up there somewhere still like, getting to observe all this great stuff but that you know i'm sad i'm also sad that she's not here um and i can hear her voice sometimes and i can i can do things and then just instinctively know what her response would be or her encouragement and that keeps me going and we sat down and you know there was some specific things that i wanted to say in the song um and then there was things that she you know you're the soul of my heart she wrote down you're the soul of my heart and i thought oh my goodness that is like that that is it you have nailed it um so you know beautiful lines come out of collaboration a lot of times from other writers
0: so what's it like, like when a song that is that personal to you, when you sing it on stage, I mean, it's a difference, you know, as we said, back when you did the mall tour, it was, you know, more up, you know, up feel uplifting. But when you do something like this, what, I mean, do you have to get yourself in an emer- emotional certain area that you can sing it because it means a lot to you?
1: Well, I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, I think if I really just... If I was too fragile before a show, I probably would cry on this one, you know um it, it, there's a fine line in, in in living the song and and kind of being able to you know to to just really be exposed. Um, but and there's a an, and there's a fine line of just breaking down and being a mess. so you know i I try now when I'm singing these songs just to share the story. And then just to sing it as best as possible. So there is kind of a little, you know, switch that you have to flip to kind of be able to, to to sing and not to stand there, you know, and cry. Not that that's wrong, but, you know, for me, again, I want them to hear, people who haven't got the album, I want them to hear all the elements of, you know, of the album, like, you know, the instrumentation to... The vocals, and I want them to have their own personal connection with the song. So, you know, definitely for me, I'm just out there trying to sing them the best that I can.
0: It must just be an amazing feeling, and and a a feeling of power, somewhat. When you said people were at the mint were tearing up, I mean that that just must be that must just feel so great as an artist because that means they're really listening.
1: Oh, definitely, Uh, definitely. You know, I mean. Again, I mean, I would look at people and see them tearing up and kind of look at them in their eye and share a moment and then have to kind of back off a little bit. Because, you know, if I go there, if I go to tears or if I go to laughter on stage, we're done. There's right. <laughs> <laughs> no coming back. Um, you know, so I, I, again, I have to, even though it's my personal story, I, I'm giving these songs to my fans and to people in the audience and in hopes that it will be a connection with them and healing for them or that they'll take these songs and make them their own. So, you know, I mean, I think that's, that's part of being a great songwriter. I mean, I'm a big James Blunt fan. I love James Blunt and, you know, David Gray. And their songs, to me, you know, speak to me in my own life. Um, and I mean, they're very healing for me and they take me down a road that maybe they'd never even envisioned their song was going to lead me. But you know, that, I think that's the whole point of being a songwriter.
0: Now, when you sang at the Mint, did you do some of your old classic songs and did you do them differently because it was more of a nightclub-yess feeling?
1: Well, we do things acoustically. And so, yes, you get to hear it could have been and all this time. Um, and I, I saw him standing there, all of that acoustic, which is actually really cool. That must be uh, fun. Yeah, I mean, again, they're great songs. So, you know, when you have wonderful material, they can be broken down, and you're not missing anything. Uh, so I'm very grateful that I can just kind of strip it down and sing these beautiful ballads or sing I Saw Him Standing There, Everybody Knows That Song, and sing I Think We're Alone Now. And you're not really missing the bigger production, um, you know, and we kind of milk it a little bit. People get to sing along with me and and we just have a really good time.
0: I just think it's amazing. And this is a compliment to you that y- y- you go. And as I said, someone I know, people who saw you at both shows. OK, just say, so you know, I, at, at the Long Beach show in the Mint, as I said, believe me, you, you you're you've popped up on my Facebook page a few times. not on friends. Walls who went to the concert at the Long Beach and loved it. I just think it's cool that you, you can go in, in one week, you can go to two different places and just do the, the songs, how you remember doing them very more, you know, at the Long Beach ones, probably more hippity, you know, louder, and then go to another place and just bring it down. That must be a great feeling. That must be something that as an artist must be so fulfilling because you're basically given like two different shows. You can be like two different people
1: wear you know a couple different hats yeah uh it is i mean and that's what you know we're doing a million miles tour um and you know intimate evening with tiffany and that is what this is about and it will be set against different dates where i'm doing more retro kind of shows and then you know either the night after or a couple nights before you'll see me do like some smaller acoustic stuff and and I do really encourage people to come out to bowl. Obviously, the retro stuff is me with a bunch of other celebrities. Um, so you get the full experience, you know, and I love that because I'm a fan as well. So I love watching Harry Nunn, Rock It Out, you know, from Berlin. And I love Lisa Lisa. She's a good friend of mine. And, um, and, and I love seeing these women and Mike Score from Block of Seagulls. All of them are my buddies, and they're out there just living their music and having a good time. So I I love to be a part of that, and then I love to venture off and do my intimate evening stuff where I think that people really get to know me. They get to hear the stories behind the songs. They get to meet me. Um, And, and, you know, yes, it's stripped down, and they get to really appreciate the song maybe in a raw state and, and just kind of really kind of hear my heart behind the song Um, and and I I don't think that either show You know is you have to pick one or the other. I think they're they're really great So I you know the mint was our kickoff. I'm doing New York um, the cutting room in New York on the 19th of May And it's not going to stop from there. I'm doing some stuff in England um, when I go to the UK in June and then when i come back actually we're just going to do a whole host of intimate evening um for you know for the million miles um kind of album tribute you know by that time the album will be hopefully it's released now and hopefully can gain momentum so people will will really kind of be eager to see this show and i'm i'm so excited about
0: it i know i guess also as you do the tour more the more, as an intimate tour, it's got to be real. It has to build up your stage chops more just because you have these wonderful stage chops. But when it's intimate, as you said, it's more stripped down. And it must be great because, as you said, I'm sure you'll be adding stories as you perform these songs. And that must be, just be so exciting for you as just doing this whole cool tour.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, my band members make fun of me because I'm very real. <laughs> and... I get out there and if there's any craziness that's went on, I totally expose it. Um, And, you know, whatever happens, each show, whatever happens, we're just going to be in the moment. Um, You know, the Mint, somebody yelled out, Radio Romance! And we're not prepared to do Radio Romance, but I sing it anyway. And, you know, my band is really has the harder job because they have to kind of learn things on the fly and just know a bunch of stuff. But, I mean, that's what this is about. It's about just being in the moment and sharing those memories with the people there. And it's all tailor-made for that evening. Um, you know, we come in with a plan, but whatever it lends itself to is what what's, is, what's, is going to happen. So I love that because it's not so – it's one of a kind. Um, I think it does keep you on your toes, And I think it's very special for the fans that they get to go, Oh my goodness. I saw her sing that. Oh, well I didn't see her sing that. Right. You know, Oh, but she did (laughs) on this one, you know? So, I mean, and we take requests. We're totally cool with that. Uh, but again, like I, I might say, you know, I might start a note on something and, and be out there and go, the flowers you gave me. And it just doesn't come out right. And I'm like, okay, hold on. Let's do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I am, I'm, well, my band, they call me a trip. They're like, you are such a trip. <laughs> You're so honest. I'm like, well, you know. That must be great, though. really comfortable in my own skin. And I, at this point, you know, I'm very.
0: You what? Hello? Uh, well, I believe we lost Tiffany, but that's okay. So um, the show is about to end anyway. So people, uh, please go see Tiffany. It's uh, You can go to her website. Her website is tiffanytoons.com and you can follow her on Twitter. Let me follow her Twitter. First of all, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm, uh, I'm at CooperTalk on Twitter, so you can follow me there. And if you go and you go to my website, my website is... Hello Tiffany? Tiffany? Hello. Okay. Anyway, people, uh, so go to coopertalk.net, go to Twitter, go follow Tiffany and we'll, <laughs> Okay. We're going to find we're going to find Tiffany's Twitter right now. So listen, okay, she's calling. Tiffany? Hello hey we're I was just we're almost wrapping up in just a few minutes, and I, I didn't know I was going to get you back, but uh just know uh, what, 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 just real quick, I gotta say, are you, not, are, you are you still writing a lot, or are you, are you doing that?
1: oh yeah i'm I'm always writing. I mean, I live in Nashville, so it's constant you know writing there that's that's something that you do. Um, and well, I, I mean, I do that for fun. So, <laughs> so you know, right now we're writing a couple of Christmas songs. Actually, I've never done a Christmas album.
0: Cool. So you're gonna do an album?
1: I'm really excited about doing. I don't know if it'll be a full album, but there'll definitely be some songs on iTunes that are original songs for Christmas.
0: Original, because I love Christmas. And, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting tired of a little of the, uh, of some of the um, classics. I love them, but we need some, we need some original ones. So that'd be great. Yeah,
1: I mean. I really want to do a different take on this. I want to do stuff that, um, you know, Joni Mitchell is another one of my all-time go-tos. I love her, you know. Um, And, you know, she's written so many songs that are kind of, you know, it's coming on Christmas, you know, they're cutting down the tree. But it's a song that you would actually listen to all year round. Right, exactly. And I want to kind of do that. I want to do songs that just – talk about family, talk about reminiscing, talk about, you know, um, just, just all of that so that you can put in this song and listen to it all year round. Of course, it really sparks in the holidays for you, but, you know, it's not just your traditional Christmas song.
0: Great. Well, I, I wanna, we got to wrap up. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. And, and what's I your it. What's your Twitter?
1: Oh, well, you can go to tiffanytoons.com. That will take you to everything from my Facebook to my Twitter to um, Pledge Music that you can still get the album uh, Million Miles at. So that will give you the whole Tiffany lowdown, TiffanyTunes.com.
0: Great. Well, I want to thank you so much, Tiffany.
1: Thank you so much. And people,
0: keep listening to Cooper Talk.